know, it's so hot outside, it's probably one of the days you could get away with a four-hour sermon, don't you think? <laughs> no, nice. So, I still got looks like, no, I don't think so. Well, a couple of things I want to uh, announce again. Welcome to everybody. Um, one, I wanted to pray uh, this coming Tuesday, Wednesday. So we have a homeschool group, I believe. Ernie, is this year four? So for the last four years, the homeschool group has been on Wednesdays. Last year, they added a day and they doubled. If we heard right, is it 200 kids? So between Tuesday is one age group and Wednesday. So we'll have about 200 kids here on campus. Um, so it seems to, to be growing. Most of the time, you, you don't see them. You're not aware of them. Uh, families go to different churches. But I always remember this, is when they come on our campus, they're, they love the Hills Church. In fact, I, I remember that a good name is above, right, great riches, right? So we have a, a great name. They love coming on. They're always thankful for it. But I wanted to pray for them, too, because there are families that come that, you know, again, they don't know the Lord. There's opportunity there, too. So, Lord, we pray over the fundamental school, all of these families and children as they kick off here on this Tuesday and Wednesday Lord, uh, as they come on our campus, Father, we thank you that uh, your angels protect them. You promised that in Psalm 91, that they are protected on this campus. There is peace on this campus in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray that their hearts are open for your word to receive you. We pray for great friendships this year through these uh, young and the parents that are on here. And we bless them in Jesus' name, and everyone said. And I forgot to say, Jonathan, who we have time to time that comes and does the coffee bar and acai, he's usually here Tuesday, Wednesdays doing acai bowls. So we'll let you know, too, if you're ever in the area, right, I sure go out there, right, try to get a, you know, acai. So again, I want to pray for them. And then this, uh, this coming weekend is going into the food uh, ministry. Friday at 1 o'clock will be the food ministry prep. Saturday is uh, the food ministry from 10 to 12, and we sure could use some hands uh, both on Friday if you're available at 1 and on Saturday at 9.30 to help distribute uh, food out to those that come. I saw the temperature, you know, because usually how it seems to have worked out is the Saturdays we've done food, it would have been like the temperature yesterday, but it's going to be nice and cool this next uh, coming week as well, too, so uh, we thank the Lord for that opportunity and outreach as well all right one verse today for our offering and it's coming out of psalm 106 verse 1 and it says this oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever let's all say that together ready oh give thanks to the lord for he is good for his mercy endures forever and as we put this prayer up on the screen, I pray that you pray it individually between yourself and your Father God. Let's pray this together. Ready? As I give in today's offering, I give thanks to the God of my salvation, to the God who has shown me mercy and gave me a new heart and a new life. I am amazed how you are watching over every area of my life and I bring my offering this day with a thankful heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
if you're giving today in service, there is an envelope in the seat back pocket. You can place that in the slot that's on the wall by the sound booth when you exit. You can also go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can give online or our P.O. box is online as well, too. If you don't get our weekly email, go on our website, fill out the contact list so that you can keep updated on everything going on. And if you're thinking about what time Friday are they helping, what time Saturday, it's all on our website. What time the Acai Bowl on Tuesday, all that's on the website uh, as well, too. All right, well, if you have your Bibles, uh, open with me to Mark chapter 4. I'm really excited. I found a local place that redid the cover of my Bible. Now, I know many of you have phone. How many of you are doing your Bibles these days on a phone or a tablet? All right, how many of you still have the sword? All right, the sword that comes out. So I, I actually found a place. It wasn't too far. It was in Santa Ana. You just don't find places that do leather anymore. And uh, when I looked up some of their reviews, um, I noticed he had done a, a Bible 300 years old. So when I went there and dropped it off, he had it there. It was a big, thick Bible. And I thought my mom would have loved that to have hit us upside our heads, right, with that big old, she would have, right? She would have chased us around uh, with that big old Bible. He actually did a Bible from the 1400s that he had covered. He had so many Bibles. And he says, you know, nowadays, he says, I, everybody's doing it, whether on computer or phone or tablet, but people love their Bibles, especially their, their family Bibles. So we're going to be in Mark chapter 4 today. We're going to start a, a new series, but my title today is one word. It's the word listen. Oh, I can hear my pastor say that, Pastor Bradford. And he had a southern accent because he was from Kannapolis, North Carolina. And he would say, listen. I don't know if I said it that good. But he used that. How many times did you ever hear him say the word listen, listen? I mean, say it all the time. And Jesus is going to say that word to us to listen because you know what we don't do a lot of the time? We don't listen, right? Comes in one ear and out the other. Well, I want to read this in uh, Mark chapter 4. I encourage you to read uh, this later. In fact, I want to read all of these verses for us to get a picture. Remember, we're just coming out of doing this summer, the Sermon on the Mount. Now we get introduced to some of Jesus's parables or these short stories, but he's going to explain all of it to his disciples. So I'm going to start this in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And again, he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into a boat and he sat in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables. And he said to them in his teaching, listen, right? Everybody say it with me, ready? Listen, look at your neighbor, say it with me, listen, right? Now some of you did kind of an evil look, I saw that, right? You can't do that can't do that. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched and because it had no root, it withered away. Some of the seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop 
that sprang up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may see, then not perceive, perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. These are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones stone on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some one hundred. So, Father, as we read the words today, we read about the sower, and the sower is sowing the word of God. Father, I pray for us that our hearts, even right now, become good ground. Lord, we've received a time of communion with you. We've opened up our, our hearts to you. And Lord, I thank you that you know how to speak to each and every one of us. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. I know nothing about farming. Anybody here? We just, we don't do that nowadays. You know, I still remember as a kid when uh, my dad would do our front yard, he'd throw seed out. They didn't have the fancy little, like, sprayers or anything they do. He'd throw out seed, and then he'd go somewhere, and he'd come back, and we'd unload these big bags of cow manure. Oh, and we'd spread that over the yard, and he'd water it, and not only did you smell like the back end of a cow, but you smelled like it going to school, and then it smelled for a couple weeks, and then all of a sudden, boop, right, some little green starts popping up here and there, and that's how you did it. Nowadays, in fact, there was a home by us that had sold, and somebody's doing a complete renovation. I remember leaving one morning, and, you know, they're out digging out everything out front. I come home, he's got green grass, sprinklers going. That's what we're used to, right? You just kind of roll it in. But we all know, regardless of what fruit you love, regardless of what vegetable you love, Regardless of what tree you enjoy, everything starts with a seed. And so Jesus is going to pay down. Now, they all understood that. You know, so when Michelle, a couple weeks ago, she was gone for the week. The only thing she asked me to do, husbands, how many of you know that's awesome? That's a breakthrough, right? 
when your wife leaves town and says, there's only one thing I want you to do, and it's can you make sure you water my plants in the back and the front? Piece of cake, right? So I go out, and I remember I'm watering them, and I'm looking at one of them. In fact, one of, I think it's Merle, all these like succulents that are the ones that are living. And, but I'm noticing the soil is all like dried up, but I made sure to water everything so everything was alive and there's heat. Because the only thing I know about soil is when she asks me if I happen to go to a Home Depot or somewhere to get her soil, she says, just get me some potting soil. So I go to that huge aisle that looks like it's going that way a mile and that way a mile and all the way up. And you know what one I look for? Right? I look for the cheapest. I'm looking for the $4 buy one, get one, you know what I mean, free. Because that stuff gets expensive. Have you ever seen, you ever seen it? But we all know that it's the soil that's what's so important for that seed, right? So when Jesus is speaking this to them, they all understand a bit of sowing. And I love that image that he, they put him in a boat and push him out. That that becomes kind of like that amphitheater that he's going to use. In fact, we, we learned this from Bible scholars, that he uses this uh, area as kind of like um, a natural sound direction for the people. And he talks about sowing the seed, but then he stops. We don't know what else he said, but here's what we know when we read this. He's going to only share this mystery, and the Bible says there's two groups of them, others and his disciples. So we don't know if everybody kind of left and was like, yeah, that's kind of an interesting teaching, right? Sowing, but he talks about these four types of grounds. Now remember, Jesus tells a lot of, of, of stories, but all of them, really, his parables are linked to something eternal, right? It's eternal. But here's what Jesus inter introduces us to. Four different types of soil, right? In fact, we know one, the birds come, or we read that Satan comes immediately. The other one we know is a stony, rocky ground that has soil. The other one is thorns, and then one is good ground. But here's what we're introduced with. 75% of what is thrown out there fails. Only one of the ground produces. So, go, may, hopefully you're off work tomorrow, but if you started work this week, and for every dollar you earned, they took out 75 cents this week, right? Would that wake you up, wouldn't it? <laughs> that, I mean, that'd wake you up right there. So these sowers are working so hard. They're throwing out seed, and they're throwing it out to every corner. Didn't matter. The wayside where people walked, the stony hard ground, the thorny ground, and the good ground, they threw it out everywhere because they want to harvest. They already know that they're going to lose part of their crop. And so when Jesus starts talking about a 30-fold, a 60-fold, a hundred times more, that's like a radical thought. But that's what hit me was 75% of the seed and the labor are lost, right? And it's all the same seed. But that word listen, in fact, say it again with me, listen. Listen. In fact, there's an old word that's used in some of the translations, hearken. We just don't use that, do we? Honey, hearken to the, my voice. Everybody would, people would laugh, hearken. But when he says that word listen, it means to comprehend, to understand, to consider what was just said. Consider what's said. 
Well, we know that Mark is the action-type gospel. We read more in the book of Mark about the acts that Jesus did than maybe we get in uh, Matthew and other ones of his teaching. But here's what Mark said in Mark 1, verse 38. He lets us know about Jesus' ministry. And he says this, and this is what he said to them. Let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. Why did Jesus come forth? To preach, right? He's preaching this gospel. He's giving us early on this example that he's the sower of the word, the word of God coming out. In fact, we read in Mark chapter 2, verse 17, where it says, Jesus heard it and Jesus said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. Came to preach the gospel in all these towns. He also didn't come for the, the righteous. In fact, in back day, which really was, was nobody according to his standards, he came to preach repentance so that they would repent and he would go to the sinners. Now, what's interesting when we think about the grounds, because is there anybody here want to be picked out by Satan? Right? Is anybody here like, oh, I just want to be, there's nobody. Anybody want to be like the stony, hard ground that, no, no. anybody want to be like the thorny ground? No. Anybody want to be good ground, right? Want a 30, yeah, everybody's like, yeah, put me, I'll do whatever, right? Get me whatever ground it can be. I want to be that good ground. Yet we read some of these things in the Gospels that let us know that some people like just didn't repent or get it. Matthew eleven twenty 20 says, then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done. Pause for just a minute. Raising the dead, right? Healing the sick, the leper, the lame, feeding people, teaching, right? Speaking a word in people were healed. A lady tugging on the hem of his garment is healed. Where most of his mighty works had been done, he rebuked those cities because they did not repent. We would say, you know, if we just had more miracles today, people would come. What we're reading here, no, you know what it starts with? It starts with people repenting and believing. The miracles, people have seen things that evidently in the day, they're seeing Jesus do the miracles with their eyeballs, and yet they won't repent. Some tried to trick Jesus. We read in Matthew chapter 12, verse uh, 10, on the Sabbath, and he said, And behold, there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, Isn't it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? That they might accuse him. Jesus would never leave some, no, we're going to wait till Sunday, right? We're going to, or be like, we're going to wait till Monday. So you, you call me on Monday, and we'll pray for you on Monday. We don't do that on the Sabbath day. No, obviously, Jesus healed that hand. Well, why these parables? Why these stories? Why wouldn't he just start a little bit later in Mark with telling everybody about it? Because he had to connect with them and he understood that these people, some of them are just not going to get it. And we read this in Matthew 13 because the disciples ask him this. It says, and the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? Now remember, they've understood because he shared with them the mysteries. And he answered, and he said, 
because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. You know what we're going to see a difference of in these stories? It's a difference of people following him just to follow him because of him being popular and those that followed him and wanted to press into him. They wanted to press in. We see it today in our society. You know, so-and-so celebrities in this town and all of a sudden, like, the place shuts down. Everybody wants to, like, get a picture or a selfie or, an, you know, something like that. Well, we find that in probably in Jesus's day, too, is they just wanted to be around. Hey, something free to eat, right? Jesus is over. He's at in and out Oh, right now. Let's go, right? I mean, you think about that. It was that taking advantage, possibly, of that opportunity of what he did. But we read those verses that we read in Mark 4, 10 through 12, and it says, But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said to him, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. You know, I was thinking of this. We are blessed to have our Bibles. We talked to somebody, you know, Moses is the one that the Holy Spirit used to write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. It would appear that the very last book that the Holy Spirit used John to write was the book of Revelation. But we have all of these things that are written for us that have been breathe to us so my son uh this week one of his college courses is exodus and deuteronomy so i thought about quizzing him right pastor's kid should know shouldn't he so <laughs> and i'm not telling him he's not here today i said next time you see him at quiz him on exodus right so i said you know what exodus is about right he says yeah and i said what is it about when they they exited <laughs> right i said all right well you're part right no, it starts with baby Moses, right? It all starts with Moses. But we've been given our Bibles, and what Jesus said was a mystery to them. It's the others that pressed in and the disciples that he explained everything to. The other thing that's so great when Jesus told the disciples that he had to leave, because he knew that the Holy Spirit would come. And when the Holy Spirit is the one that comes, he's our teacher. He's the one, as we read this, that gives us insight and to teach to us. Because it's interesting that Jesus will use Isaiah's words. In fact, it's in Isaiah 6 where God speaks words of judgment against Israel because they refuse to listen to the truth. And I think that's why partly Jesus starts out with that word, listen, right? Listen to what I say. Listen to those things. And he uses that word mystery, which the, the really we can translate it best. It's really that secret counsel which governed God in dealing with the righteous, which was hidden from the ungodly and the wicked, really, that they didn't see. But it was that plan that God had. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that mystery, but the people don't see it yet. Jesus tells them the truth, tells them about himself, does miracles in front of them, but they choose not to believe. 
But really, this mystery of the kingdom, this secret that they didn't get, is the person of Jesus. It's Jesus himself. In fact, Paul writes this in 2 Timothy 3.7. Interesting that he marks this down where he talks about there are people that are always learning and are never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That's scary, isn't it? Always learning scripture, but never come to the knowledge. They didn't have that relationship with the person of the Bible, Jesus. So there's a separation, there's a great multitude, and it's interesting, when the Bible says a great multitude, it is a huge group of people that listen to this. They came to hear, they're fascinated with Jesus. This message, though, appears to go in one ear and out the other. But now there's the other group, those and the twelve, and it seems that everybody else has gone their way, but these really want to know, and they're going to stick with Jesus to understand everything that he's saying. And I instantly, when I was thinking about that this week, I instantly had this thought, I had to actually look it up in Exodus. I didn't get a chance to ask my son yet because it's probably not in chapter 14. But Exodus will give us examples of things that we actually see in the scripture Jesus will use. And it's in Exodus 14, verse 20. This is after the Egyptians are already chasing the Israelites before the Red Sea. And it says this word. Talking about this cloud, remember the, the Bible talks about that there was a pillar, a cloud that led the children of Israel. By night it was a pillar of fire, and so the scripture says, so this cloud, so it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud of darkness to one, and it gave light by night to the other so that the one did not come near the other at the night. One cloud, the same cloud, right? One cloud, it's completely dark to one group. That's the Egyptians. The other part of that cloud, it's completely light to the Israel. There was a complete di dis distance. In fact, God was using that to protect them. Depending on your relationship with God, this same cloud gave you darkness or gave you light. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is described as the light of the world. In fact, as you read on, I encourage you to read Mark chapter 4 and read past verse 20 because that's one of the examples is the light is used. He's come to illuminate or to light up those places that are dark, those mysteries. He's the one that that person on the bus that's thinking about him, he's the one that's right there to illuminate him. He's the one to bring somebody across somebody's path so that he can connect because they're searching for him. Whoever presses into him, he's going to respond and press back. And I think about that. What a difference. One had darkness, one had light, same cloud. Two, two different groups, a great multitude and others and the disciples. The others, we don't know how many there were. The others and the disciples. One must have went on its way. The others wanted to press in. They wanted to know more. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. You know, one, one of the things with these soils is it's great to look at our own personal lives. 
we're, we've all had these things happen to us where maybe it's on the way to church or on the way home from church, you have the biggest fight in your vehicle with your family because Satan comes to steal the word. It might be in the morning that you got up extra early to read your Bible and you got distracted. We've all had different things happen because we know that Satan himself wants to distract and take the word away from us. Maybe our hearts have been that stony ground that we might receive it with gladness, but we have no root, and so we don't last. Maybe we get caught up with the things of this world, the cares of this world. In fact, it says that the word becomes unfruitful, but our prayer and the direction that we want to press in is that our hearts would be the good good ground of the seed of the word of God. Father, I pray for all of us today that as we look into your word, your word actually is looking into us. In fact, Jesus describes that it is like a lamp. I pray that you look into us with your word. I thank you, Father, that through this we're growing spiritually that that soil is what's so important for the seed of your word. And I pray today, if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, the most important prayer that you'll say to get started, and it's that opportunity now to press into him. Maybe today you've been running from him, and this is just an opportunity to come back to him. And I would like all of us to pray this prayer together out loud, but if it's you and you're praying it for the first time, pray it as if it's you to God, which it comes out of Romans 10, 9, and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Pray this after me, everyone. Ready? Lord Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of all of my sin. I open the door of my heart I choose to make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer at the end of our service, please allow us to pray with you. You know, I always think the most important thing to do is to tell somebody. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Okay? The best decision you'll ever make in your life is following him. Well, stand with me if you would. We're going to close out with.